0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. Hi, I'm Andrew Morris. And ahead of us over the next 15 minutes or so, three questions which uh, you guys have written over the past week or two. And uh, if you have a question, you're always welcome to ask David and we'll give you the email address soon. Okay, so the first of three questions, David, looks at uh, the issue of exhaustion and ministry. I know so many Christians who are utterly exhausted in doing ministry and other things. Some of them say it's better to burn out than rust out. What do you think?
1: I think that statement's nonsense, actually. Um, Better to burn out than rust out. I've heard of it um, over the years, and maybe, um, I regrettably may have even used it myself in years past. I certainly wouldn't use it now. Look, it's not a choice between burning out and rusting out, um, but a choice between running ourselves into the ground and fruitfully living for Jesus. Um, It's not wrong to be busy and to get tired. Um, but there's a difference between tiredness and fatigue. See, if I'm tired, that's fixed by a good night's sleep or by a holiday. But if I suffer from fatigue, and that's, that's a prelude to burnout, that's different. It's not fixed like that. It goes deeper. I've been in seasons of ministry where, where I've been very tired, but I've had a good night's sleep or a bit of a break, and oh, I feel refreshed. But I've also been fatigued and on the verge of burnout. And um, that's not fixed by a holiday uh, because you go on a holiday or have a good night's sleep and you're still fatigued. So there's, a, there's an issue that goes deeper, you see, and we do get fatigued, burning out, as it were, um, by trying to meet too many expectations. So many people have got expectations of you in any sort of Christian ministry, paid or unpaid, Um, You can get fatigued by repeated setbacks. You get blow after blow after blow. This goes wrong, that goes wrong, that goes wrong. Um, That causes you fatigue. Or you you, you can simply get fatigued by frantically trying to do what might not need to be done. Um, You see, Jesus calls us to active service, but not to endless fatigue. Um, Jesus was very busy. He got tired. But I don't think he was burnt out because he only chose to do what he saw the Father was doing. So we need times of retreat and refreshment, and, and I, I think it's always good for any Christian, whatever their capacity, to, to to take time from time to time to re-examine their priorities. Who are you trying to please? Um, does this job you're doing need to be done? Could I do the job more efficiently? Um, can I enlist the help of others? All these things. Um And what I guess I'm coming around to saying is that you cannot care for others, which is very much the heart of Christian ministry, if you don't care for yourself, first of all. As a minister of the gospel um, in various churches, I have to say to myself, and that might sound very crude and very wrong even, but I'm the most important person in a funny sort of way. Because unless I care for myself, unless I'm maintaining my own spiritual health, I cannot maintain um, anyone else's health. If my doctor is is, um, constantly sick, and not taking care of himself, he can't. He can't take care of not only of me, but of many, many others. So his first priority is to make sure he's healthy, so that he can keep us healthy. And it's the same, I think, in Christian ministry. Um, self-care is very important. Um, you see, if we don't care for ourselves, we can't care for others, and we'll end up doing more for Jesus. Um, but Fact will be achieving less because remember, activity is not the same as achievement. You don't measure your level of achievement by your level of activity. So, getting back to that first statement, it's better to burn out than rust out. No, it's not good to burn out. Um, um, I I know, I know what the I know what the phrase is meant to be. That that you better be active in this in the service of Jesus rather than sitting Mm. on your backside doing nothing. But they're not the options. Yes, of course you shouldn't shouldn't be sitting around doing nothing. But hey, um, the 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 alternative is not to be rushing around like a headless shook burning yourself out. Uh, no, it is not better to burn out than to rust out. It's better to do neither. Don't burn out. Take care of yourself. Don't rust out. Be active for Jesus, and let Him give you the wisdom to discern what needs to be done and what does not need to be done, because Jesus. And our God, our Father, they are not incompetent. They are not going to give you more to do than what you are capable of doing.
0: Just earlier at the beginning of the conversation, you talked about um, uh, fatigued and that a holiday in your uh, your experience was not going to solve uh, the deeper issue of fatigue. From your own experience, how did you um, overcome fatigue, one of those times of fatigue in your ministry periods?
1: I had to do a lot of reflection and retreating um, and and battling constantly. I do not have to meet everyone's expectations. I, I cannot single-handedly make this church grow or become more fruitful or healthy or whatever it is. Um, I cannot single-handedly do everything. And I cannot, um, uh, I have to modify my own internal expectations of myself. In other words, um, uh, overcoming fatigue, I think, in my part, was very much to do with. Uh, being aware of my own limitations and believing that God loves me even if the church was growing or not growing and God cares about me and values me even um, what, despite whatever reputation I may or may not have in the church or in the community and so on. Um, but, but look, um, to, in, in saying that, I think I and many others would say we still struggle with that enormously because anyone who goes into any sort of Christian ministry, whether it's paid or unpaid, It really is genuinely devoted to wanting to serve Christ and wanting to serve others and so on. And it's very, very easy to not have the boundaries, to throw yourself into caring for others uh, and to measure yourself by perhaps secular standards of performance and achievement and so on and feel utterly, utterly fatigued. It it, It is very concerning to me that... Christian ministers of my acquaintance and uh, Christians in, in churches generally it can be that when they burn themselves out they simply drop entirely out of church uh, so in other words um, they succumb to the extremist mentality that's expressed in that question do I burn out or rust out sorry they're extreme statements it is better to do neither to work actively for Jesus and to take note of the signs of fatigue, uh, to care for yourself and to realise that Jesus has said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has not come to force you to burning out for him or rusting out for him. Those are not the alternatives.
0: Thanks, David. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. Hi, I'm Andrew Morris. Uh, if you would like to send David a question, the email address is lifewords at hopemedia.com.au LifeWords at hopemedia.com.au Our second question is, I'm a bit wary of all this climate change debate. Surely God will end the world when and how he chooses.
1: Andrew, I think that question actually misunderstands the reality of things. I think it's, I've got to say respectfully that it, it actually does confuse categories a bit here. Look, of course the end of the world is in God's hands. Can I change when God is going to send Jesus to wrap up human history? No, of course I can't. Um, Jesus himself has said it's in God's hands. Uh, not, not, it's not, not even in his hands. Um, so the end of the world is very much in God's hands. But, you see, that doesn't mean we simply let things drift. Um, yes, God, the world will end when God is sovereignly determined it will. But that doesn't mean that we don't... Um, care for the world um, in the meantime. For example, at the height of the Cold War I think there were Christians saying well, um, there's um, nuclear weapons being stockpiled on all sides and um, the world may well end through a nuclear holocaust. Well, praise God it didn't because Christians and others uh, worked for peace in such a way that uh, that threat is now much more diminished. And um, so were those people wrong? It was as if God's saying, oh, I was going to win the world through a nuclear holocaust and you guys have uh, spoiled <laughs> it stopped all. You stopped me. Yes, you stopped me. Of course not. God's sovereignty, remember, um, takes account of human activity and so on. Now, now those who reckon that climate change is a big threat, and and I for one uh, include myself in that number, Um, I figure that doing something about it is a gesture of care for creation and for succeeding generations. For me to simply shrug my shoulders at that and to say, well, uh, no it doesn't matter because God is simply going to end the world when he will it means that um, I'm succumbing to fatalism. Uh, Why bother caring for the poor? Why bother doing anything? Why why bother um, caring for my um, future generations of, of children and grandchildren and so on? God is going to end up, end up winding up the world when he chooses. So what's the point? But of course, most Christians would not go to that point. The world could end due to climate change. It could end that way. Uh, and despite all our efforts to um, alleviate it, uh, it might be the way the world ends. But Then again, there might be um, a revival of nuclear holocaust type things and it might end that way. We really don't know. I'm not going into the, the whole Issue of, of of the science of climate change. There are climate change skeptics, and there are um, people who do, like me, who would endorse uh, most of the scientific studies that have been done on climate change. I, I, won't, I won't go into that because there's sincere views on either side. But but what I'm arguing against here is is any sort of fatalism. That somehow or other, I will take a position on climate change because of my view of God's sovereignty. No, take a view on climate change according to how you read the science and how you read the um, responsible studies that have been done. You may come to different views on that and christians i know do but please don't bring in this business of god will end the world because i think that allows us to become fatalistic and says well god will end the world no matter what Uh, uh so um if the earth warms too much well that's just that's just god doing it no i think god
0: says you care for the world and let me determine how i'm going to end it you're listening to LifeWords Q&A. Our final question, David, it's very much tied, I guess, in a way to what you were talking about in the first question. How would you define grace?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. That It's such a profound and basic Christian concept, but yeah, how do you define it? It's like a lot of things. How do you define love? How do you define holiness and all this sort of thing? Very, very hard. But I tell you what, how about a Potter definition? Grace is kindness shown to those who don't deserve it. Um, kindness shown to those who don't deserve it. Let, let me expand. Um, it's not mere kindness. Let's say a little girl brings her mum breakfast in bed and the mother very kindly reacts to that. That's not grace. That's not grace because the little daughter is, 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 is um, doing a lovely thing for her and mum is saying, oh, thank you so much, darling, and, you know, being very nice to her. That's not grace. It's kindness and it's very good. But then again, a grown-up daughter of that same mother has made life misery for her, abusing her, staying at a distance from her, making her life a misery, and yet that mother is kind to her in many practical ways. That's grace. Because, you see, the little girl, uh, in a sense, deserves that kindness. Um, She's lovable. But the grown-up daughter is not at all that way. The grown-up daughter, you know, if we were going to go by strict um, law-keeping, as it were, the grown-up daughter deserves to, as it were, um, get a get a kick in the pants, as it were, but the mother has been kind to her. So I think that's, that's what grace is. Um, it's showing kindness, but not just showing kindness, showing kindness to those who don't deserve it. But, but I just want to qualify that, too, because some people, when, when you use this phrase uh, un, that you're undeserving, they then immediately equate it as being worthless. That great hymn, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me. Well, that was written in sort of 18th century language. And I hope we don't see ourselves as wretches, as being worthless. Um, you see, being undeserving is not the same as being worthless. Uh, any Christian who says, well, well, um, grace is, is based on the fact that I am worthless, is actually flying in the face of the scriptures. See, God made me in his image. Well, that's, that doesn't make mm. me worthless. Um, Jesus died for me. Well, he didn't die for rubbish. Uh, oh, and the Holy Spirit of God lives in me. Well, well, um, uh, he doesn't live in junk. Oh, and also God wants to spend eternity with me. Well, hang on. Um, he doesn't want to spend eternity with a piece of useless rubbish. No, we matter. We may not deserve God's kindness, But he thinks we're worth it. And I think that's we've got to grasp that tension, not to proudly look at God and say, listen, here, you've got to show me grace because I'm such a great guy. No, 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 no. You are not deserving of that grace because you fall short of the glory of God, as the Bible says. But even though I've fallen short of the glory of God, God thought it was worth sending Jesus to die for me. So, And that, that grace, of course, is shown supremely through Jesus dying for us while we were rebelling against him, while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, Paul says. And I think that shows me that I am both worthwhile and valuable and yet
0: undeserving. So grace, yeah, kindness shown to those who don't deserve it. And you see that in... um it's, it's, it's quite a good read in the book of Galatians, isn't it, with Paul getting so riled up against the people wanting to bring back that kind of law, the traditions, mm. to to earn God's favour rather than just relying on Jesus' uh, oh, saving. A,
1: it's, it's a very human tendency, Andrew, to um, want to feel as though we're worthy of something. Oh, sorry, not worthy of something, we're deserving of something. That somehow or other, in order to receive this gift from God, I've got to somehow or other. Um, make myself um, deserving of it. But when you think about the whole concept of gift, um, I don't give someone a gift because they're necessarily deserving of it. I give them a gift because I value them. Um, But when I give my children a birthday present or so on it's not as if they said well look I've done all these things for you during the year dad so you better give me a present as a reward no 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 Um, I'm giving them a present because I love them and because I value them and so yes it's to smuggle sort of any attempt for us to get into God's good books by our own efforts Um, like some of the Galatians were trying to uh, really flies in the face of grace because um, there is nothing we can do to earn God's grace by definition We can't do that. But that does not put us in this terrible pit of self-abasement. It rather says, I am a dignified and valued human being, and yet who falls short of the glory of God and needs the grace of God.
0: You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. David, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Um, In the meantime, we wish you all the well. You can download previous episodes of LifeWords Q&A from hope1032.com.au. If you want to subscribe to the podcast and get them automatically downloaded into your iTunes uh, account, just go to the iTunes store, search for LifeWords Q&A by Hope Media Limited, and you can do it that way. Till next week, we'll see you soon.